Previously on the bottom rack. Uh, Segwin. Who the hell is Segwin? Segway! <clears throat> Kaiju, Angelique. And I'm not talking about, like, a Yiddish Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> I mean, Kaiju. <laughs> I can't wait for you to watch this. People listening in, tuning in for the first time. When I call a movie shitty, that is a could be a term of endearment. I don't watch anything like Avengers or <laughs> take little AAA budget title. So, well, m- maybe I'll have that same opinion at the end of this. We can revisit that opinion later. But, um... <laughs> yeah, we'll bring it. It's like Asylum. You roll the dice. Some of them deliver. Some of them are entertaining. And some of them you're trying not to fall asleep on. Box art always is interesting. And now, the bottom rack, Mockbuster Summer, continues. I mean, it just honestly, and it wasn't even playful, and it wasn't even haphazard. It wasn't like that you could misconstrue it or anything, or, you know, and, and it wasn't even him being polite. Like, you know, if a chick had a boat trailer behind her, and it's just one of those, as a dude, you would ask, you know, all right, if a chick's got a boat trailer, I might ask, be like, you know, do you, would you like some help? Or can I help you? Or could I spot for you? If anything, you know, it helps to have a spotter in the back. But no, this is like, can you park a car like <laughs> young lady? Something like that. I was like, Jesus. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, it was. I had just never witnessed that at all. All right, who's doing what? What the hell is that noise? I was rearranging my desk and my coffee and stuff. Oh, okay. I was just wondering because it sounded like you were doing it with the microphone. (laughs) Well, I I have my my laptop and stuff set up outside of the prayer closet. So I can't. (laughs) That's. That's fine. I was just wondering, because like I said, it's, what are you doing? Well, I'm just sitting here testing things out. Just hammering <laughs> in some drywall real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Y'all give me just a second. I'm going to tighten up this soffit real quick. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're quiet. Oh, that's because I'm masturbating to this movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> honesty. You too, Which, huh? Which movie? I need to watch this one. <laughs> Night of a Thousand Pussies. I said Hornet. <laughs> I was going to say, this is Hornet, right? Yes, it's Hornet. <laughs> I didn't see any masturbating in Hornet. Why are we... Don't you masturbate to everything? Come on, well, it's moving would, pictures. Would you please stop watching the thousand kitty cats? Don't make me say that. Just please watch. <laughs> stop watching that. And we could focus on the important things. Sure. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I need to turn you off. Uh, all right. So if I add delete the, I don't want to delete the conversation. I just want to get rid of you for our other conversation, Justin. Is that, you know what? Screw it. We'll just let it go. You'll just continue to stay paused on the other line. All righty. I'm cool with it. <laughs> okay. So whenever we kick this up, did I forget anything? No. No, actually, I didn't. All right. <clears throat> and w- there was one other thing I wanted to mention. I think that I forgot. And you know what? I'll just roll with it. And we're back. Welcome to the bottom rack. 
Bottom Shelf Entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle. Episode one, the Mockbuster Summer. I'm going to get my hammer and gap. Four weeks, four films forced to watch. And that was only three times. I have four other people with me, however. To my right, Miss Angelique Bone. Hello. To her right, or and my further to the right, Mark the Movie Man. Mark, how are you? Feeling the sting. <laughs> nice. nice. They make like for that, Mark. <laughs> there you go. You have plus one. I have to give like a one-up little sound effect or something like this. It would see tally up the points as we go. And to Mark's right or his left, my hell, I forget. Paul Salzer, the bow tie jerk. How are you? I'm doing well. You can uh, score me with a negative because... My statements are just near. <laughs> that was just like an audible frowny face. Just the, even the way my statements are just. Mm. No, that that I think when you make when you say something like that, it needs to be followed immediately by the womp 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 for the Price Is Right. I, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Good. At least I'm on the same page. <laughs> And to his somewhere else in this room that we none of us can see, but we're all here, Justin Young, Mr. Monsters, Madness, and Magic himself. How are you? Doing great. And uh, Mark oh. stole my intro, so I'm a little swollen. A little oh, swollen. oh, oh, how about that? Well, you're awful chipper for uh, is OK. I mean, we'll, we'll be barreling into this headlong in just a moment, but uh. You're awful chipper for having watched an Asylum film. I mean, I would be, but that's because I enjoy this for whatever reason. I'm ruined. I'm brain damaged. So, I mean, what's your excuse? Well, look, I'll start off this off with a caveat that my expectations were so subterranean that I probably set myself up for success. But, uh... You know that's the secret to these. <laughs> I don't. I don't get the hate. I in my book, the Asylum's batting a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to find some kind of sound effect for that one. I don't know. Probably somebody farting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Let's we'll go ahead and dive headlong into this. For those of you who are unfamiliar with how I run things in the bottom rack, bottom shelf, however you want to call it, run a tight ship here. Okay. I expect things neat. Actually, no, I don't. I really do not set out to shit on films at all. I find it pedantic. It's horrible. And especially in light of just the way my life has been for the past few years, I have better things to do with my time. So I'm not going to sit there and waste it on things that I don't like or don't enjoy. I enjoy asylum films. I am also a child of the 80s and the 90s in the video stores. So I know what it feels like to see the most awesome rad box art you have ever seen in your life. And take it home and find out that it is not, in fact, what you saw on the box art. There is an intimacy. There is a there's a relationship, if you will. There is a promise. It's like if I were to propose to somebody, I have to show my social status. I have to show my wealth and well-being that I'm going to give the father of the daughter. See, I have to show him that I'm going to provide for his daughter. And in return, he damn well better provide me a couple of fatted calves some goats and stuff in return for a dowry. You see, this is an exchange. Much the same way that when you look at the box art of a film, that thing's get, telling you something, okay? It's making a promise. 
Now, when you take it home to consummate this relationship, does it deliver on that promise or does it end up being like Tim Curry in that episode of Tales from the Crypt? I suppose not. <laughs> and a lot of times with these films, it ends up being like Tim Curry <laughs> with the drag makeup, because quite honestly, I, I don't know. Sometimes it'd be just him. Normal would be quite all right with me, honestly. So this time we watched Hornet film. Number one, my criteria for the bottom rack. One, does the box art match the film? And two, is it enjoyable? Did I at least feel like I enjoyed the time? So Angelique, please regale for us, for anyone listening, what is the quick brief, because we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. What's the quick and brief story for Hornet? Um, dumbass college kids take a robot into the woods. It gets taken over by aliens. Then it starts to fight the aliens. <laughs> and the FBI or something is in there too. I like the question. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the question in your voice that it starts to fire. What? And, and, then, and then the what does it do after the FBI or whatever? I mean, is that is that it for the story or is there more? Or <laughs> <clears throat> Well... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's, it, I guess great value bumblebee is how I describe it. Um, <laughs> it the, the robot turns good again and sets itself up for a sequel. The end. Succinct and to the point. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, she did very well with the synopsis. I thought it was a uh, well... Uh, well pronunciated. I'm not that. asking about her synopsis. What was the, what is your take on the synopsis of the film? Her oh. synopsis was better than the movie. She <laughs> so could have saved us like well, 70 that's, minutes. That's even why with all I was, the uncertainty. It, that's what I was talking about. Um, I went into it knowing nothing. I uh, this was one that I had seen on the shelves, of course. <laughs> so, I went into it knowing nothing, and I came out knowing less. I'm I sorry. came out knowing less. Um. <laughs> Well, I remember it popping up, you know, in true Asylum fashion just before Bumblebee came out. Um, and it's funny, we were talking about Asylum Pictures last night because I was uh, with Mr. Derek Carey watching Evil Bong 2. Uh, so <laughs> we know Asylum Pictures in full mood very well. Uh, and this one I went in and I didn't expect it to be found footage. Uh, that's the first thing because I hadn't even seen the trailer. All I did was see the box art and went, OK, maybe sometime. And that happened for like a, a year. I'd walk past it on the shelf and go, okay, maybe sometime. <laughs> but, but, you know, just like I'd be scrolling through Amazon and go, oh, look, Hornet. Yeah, maybe sometime. <laughs> because for me, I just, I got to kind of be in the right mood for an asylum picture, especially mm-hmm. since, uh, Actually, my uh, oldest son, who's gotten into film real heavy recently, watching films uh, in the last five years, he actually sat down and watched it with me, uh, the poor child. Uh, <laughs> and he, he's 20, but I can call him child. Uh, but, uh, 
yeah he he was like oh my lord what are you watching father and i'm like just just watch it'll it'll something will happen uh, eventually something, eventually something will happen <laughs> eventually something will happen uh so yeah i didn't expect the found footage i thought it was an interesting approach to it but uh and i'm sure you'll want to dig into it but this oh, yeah. so felt like two different movies Maybe even three. I agree. It, it, it felt like they had footage for one, and then the budget fell through, and so they had it sitting on the shelf, and then they managed to get maybe a couple of the same actors back <laughs> and, and to shoot some other footage. Because you could completely cut out one section, and in all honesty, the stuff with Bumblebee well, – Bumblebee, excuse me. Hornet. <laughs> Hornet, uh, thank you. Hornet, no, sorry. Please don't sue us. I don't, don't sue us. Uh, Bumblebee, I meant the insect. Uh, the whole f- scene with them and building a robot, as cheesy as, as most of the effects were, that story part, I was actually kind of digging. And just as I was getting into it, we'd cut to this shitty interrogation scene. Brick and wall. It, and it, it hit. And I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, uh, is it okay if I swear? Sure, why not? I was just like, what the fuck? Because that's going to be us by the in four weeks, <laughs> if not sooner. That's going to be us. So, yeah, go ahead. You know, I'm watching this go, why are we doing the, – the interrogation scenes add absolutely nothing to this film. Not only that, the guy doing the interrogating is the worst. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but, I'm going to uh, circle so, him. That's for sure. Yeah. So my initial thought was there's it's a tale of two movies and I was actually and it's surprising for Asylum. But I will say I was actually a bit interested in the actual found footage in the woods footage. I gave two shits about the interrogation talking to the guys. They did not need that at all. They could have shot an extra day of footage and not needed that. But for real. Paul. Yes, sir. Got a brief rundown of like this with like just initial thoughts or you just want to wait and get right into it. Oh, no, it's it it, to me is a story of converging unnecessary (laughs) storylines. It's like it's basically what I said, but a lot more eloquently. I was fixing to say succinct and lacerating, man. Yes, you put it succinctly. Suck what? I was I was going to add that like mark said i mean it's a found footage film it's got zombieism in it it's got alien invasions it's got government conspiracy and torture it this movie does not know what it wants to be and that's unfortunate because it had a good potential of being an uh, a fun enjoyable summer mockbuster film instead it just comes off being kind of sophomoreish you just described every asylum. Could I was going to say that. <laughs> you, you could apply that to pretty much the entire library of asylum. <laughs> I mean, not since Darth Maul was interesting. How, yeah. Isn't that interesting that you can apply that description to all of them? Mm. Good Lord. It's like Darth Maul with a side grinder over here. It's like, well, I thought, nah, done. Mm-hmm. Two sentences over. Out of here. All right, then. <laughs> Justin. Yes. Then let's go ahead, because otherwise Paul is just going to go ahead and pull the cord, drop the doors, and close shop, and we're done. 
What was your impression? <laughs> like just initial impressions of Hornet. Initial impressions, like um, I think Paul said, the found footage took me off guard. I'm hit or miss with found footage. My favorite found footage films are it, had, it better be an anthology of some sort or a paranormal activity series. Um, so I, I've never seen a found footage movie use the government evidence angle. So I was digging that at first. Cloverfield. But I, I haven't seen Clover. I've not seen Cloverfield. Oh, hell, dude. Damn, that, I kind of feel bad. <laughs> you ought to watch that. That's a really good one. You talk about a good palate cleanser. Anyway, nah, I can't be better continue. than Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all right. it's all right. They're not listening in yet. So. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I found the one thing that really rubbed me, the, that got me going down on the movie was some of the decision-making. I don't know. I don't know if you want to go into specific <laughs> scenes yet. Oh, we will. <laughs> okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to hold that off because you, you might have the same scene in mind. But, yeah, for a first impression, first asylum movie, I was like, eh, you know, I've seen worse. Hey, I mean, dude, that's that's like a glowing review, honestly. <laughs> I kind of hope for that, really. Like when I watch an asylum flick, it's like, well, I mean, I've seen worse. It's, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I don't feel like I wasted my time. I, I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> all right, well, everybody, strap in, buckle up. Mark, you sitting down? Oh yeah. Okay, hands off the keyboards, everybody. Here we go. Y'all ready for mine? I think this is one of Asylum's better close to maybe best films <laughs> not my favorite <laughs> and not the coolest but when i wa- <laughs> all right let's see if i can tread i want to tread this carefully because i'm not gonna sit here and massage its tender loins under the table here but the special effects were far better than I thought they would be and considering what they're going to be <laughs> what I know is coming later on in this mockbuster summer I thought the special effects were actually pretty darn good uh, it, yeah it didn't really know what it wanted to be but the problem is is it showed to me it showed competency if they would have decided on one or two I think it, they would have had a really <laughs> wow, what a southern term. Out there. A real humdinger. <laughs> if they would have just chosen one out of the possible four angles. That right. they had. So since we've gone around the table on the brief synopsis, yeah, ladies and gentlemen listening to it, you basically have its trick. It pulls you in thinking it's going to be like Bumblebee, <laughs> but it's actually not because from opening scene one, it's a found footage thing. So it ends up being a little more like Super 8 or and, and actually the first cre- the uh, first screen that you see, the first card is a government footage thing. So it is just like Cloverfield, the way it opens up. And then it goes into what's like Super 8 or something. And then it turns into a zombie flick and then a found footage zombie flick. And then it <laughs> turns into something like the end of the second Outlast game. And Slender the Arrival, and then it just, so yeah, you get a whole lot of this. We'll delve into it a little bit deeply, but first and foremost, what we have to do, so ladies and gentlemen, if you're playing at home, and my friends sitting at the table with me, if you could please pull up the box art for Hornet. I should have asked you to have this at the ready, but you know what? I'm free ball, freewheeling. <laughs> Nobody's balls are out. You mark, put your balls up. Nobody's balls Damn it. Out. Damn it. <laughs> So I now have the box art in front of me. So 
for those of you who don't have access to a computer or anything listening at home, let me tell you what this box art is. If you had listened to episode zero, I would uh, – sorry, drop that. That was my balls dropping. My Just joking. <laughs> I have explained before that the Asylum has some of the most badass artwork ever. Like they can make Michael Bay look like one of those old Disney family flicks like Pete's Dragon. It just – their box art is <laughs> – whoever does their artwork needs a raise. That much is certain. I will give them that because when you pull up this artwork, it's got Hornet in diagonals and it's looking all metallic and stuff. And in the foreground, you've got like this Cyclops looking mech droid robot. One hand's a smoking laser gun. The left hand's like this drill pike thing. He's got like these backwards legs looking like metal. I mean, he seriously looks like Metal Gear Rex with an upgrade or maybe yep. even the... Um, Sahasralakathlalalalalas or whatever. Sahalanthropus, the yes. thing from Metal Gear 5. I mean, like, seriously, this thing looks awesome. We're straight out of an Eric Ekholm film trailer library album cover. You've got debris all in the foreground. You've got smoldering buildings and ruins and these, like, spaceships in the top coming through the clouds. Just, oh, yeah, let's get the tagline. When aliens invade our minds. Only a machine can save mankind. I mean, you can hear Peter Cullen. It, when I look at the, I don't know. This is one of those, like, I can hear his voice. You hear the Jablon, the uh, Jablonski theme in the mm-hmm. background, and you got, like, some bass drops. Like, and then you'll hear, since the dawn of time, we have stood wide. And it's like, I'm sitting there getting teary-eyed, thinking of Optimus Prime. That's what I get when I see this cover. Angelique. Would you watch this movie if you if I just showed you this cover art? Would you watch this flick? Hell yeah, I'd be like, pop that sucker in. <laughs> yeah, Mark. What about you? If I was like, hey dude, check this sh- check this shit out. Would you watch this? <laughs> if I knew nothing about Asylum, absolutely. I'm like, I want to see that robot. That's a badass robot. It's a, uh, yes, Paul. Yes, I would. Justin, how big does this robot look to you? It looks pretty big. Uh, I want to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Double check it. Make sure. Yeah, because see, when I see this, I'm expecting that. And and maybe we could all say this at the same time. Was this robot in this movie? No. No! No. No. (laughs) But but we, We, we we can say the tagline for an asylum picture, the tagline actually applies to the plot and the plot actually has what the tagline is teasing us with as far as aliens invading our minds and only a machine can save mankind now he doesn't actually save mankind mind you but but that's truthful that actually is what's in the plot which surprised the hell out of me but (laughs) his mind does get his mind gets taken over so you know because they reprogrammed him Right, but where's the man? Like I said, all right, this is, I know. (laughs) I like that, half right. Yes, you are correct. I've got to take this box art because seriously, the longer I look at that, I'm just going to get madder and madder. For for those of you playing at home, if you were to pull up this key art for this movie, if you looked at this box art and he was like, what's some things that Daniel likes? There you go. Like, if you want to see a really cool, I mean, if we had somewhere in there 
a ninja and a barbarian and Chow Yun-Fat doing some bullet time, two-fisted gunplay, you probably have like the perfect movie for me. I mean, I, I swear to God, this is the kind of stuff. This thing looks like it's as big as the skyscraper in the background. Now, I know perspective is key and everything, but still, that artwork would suck is me in. Is your hair spiking uncontrollably? Oh, dude. Do you find yourself wearing head-to-toe Ed Hardy with no explanation? I heard that. Do you feel cold spots all around you where your dude bros should be? Oh my gosh, guys, 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 I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again right now. If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are suffering from a chronic vitamin G deficiency. Oh my, oh my god! But never fear. Your hostess with the ghostess has the cure. Join us on Paranormal Schlockdown, where we'll go through every episode of Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. Examining the evidence. I just saw something. Keeping track of every Zack rage. I do not feel right up here. But most importantly, we'll see what happens to Aaron. Dude, I swear to God. Guys, I keep hearing something like right over here. We'll rate each episode and learn about all the rad equipment these dude bros use to capture paranormal activity. There will be special guests and lots of surprises for connoisseurs of the creepy. Get locked down with Paranormal Schlockdown. This is how Ghost Adventures crew gets locked down. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. Come with us. And stay spooky. So now let's get to the actual film. Because <laughs> when this thing opens, we are treated to a like a disclaimer. Something part is like a product of some government classified agency or whatever. And it opens up with what looks like something out of the, a closet for the set of Puppet Master 5 in the, uh, the little donut shop bakery office thing that they used as the police station in that film. Cause that's kind of what this thing looks like. And as we get the idea that it's supposed to be an interrogation and stuff, and I'll go ahead and unless anybody has anything further to add, because you have Matthew, I get what's his name? Modine, Matthew Modine's lesser known special needs. Third cousin is the actual FBI interrogator. And then you've got the dude that we have no clue who he is or whatever sitting there. And then it all of a sudden we're on to movie B and then movie mm. B turns into a found footage flick. Now, Justin, what, what was this whole, you can regale me because I'm not going to poop on this scene, nor am I actually going to exclaim about how wonderful this scene was, but this is setting it up. So to you for just establishing the characters and what's going on, did it at least do a decent job <laughs> of showing us who these people were? Mm. Oh man, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I I would say that you you definitely know who these people are, but who they are is not probably people that you would like. Um, uh, the the scene that I was specifically talking about is when the when the group is in a perfectly functioning Ford F one fifty, surrounded by a handful of alien zombies, and everyone exits the truck and runs for the uh, dilapidated <laughs> barn. Instead oh, of running them I'm over. Get, I'm getting to that. Working our way to that. And as far as like what. Let me see if I can phrase it this way. What the hell kind of school do these kids work at? Where were they? Paul, oh, where were well, they? 
it's, I, it's some odd mix of it's like a auto body shop mixed with robotics and they have uh, <laughs> your typical jock mechanic working with clearly uh superior intelligent women and it and they make a badass robot <laughs> <laughs> they, i mean the, the hell that's a synopsis right there paul where were they it's uh, like like uh like um he said it, it basically reminds you of the remember that cartoon big hero six that's the type of university yeah. that they work in it's all you know the the students have kind of free reign the professors are probably never there you know and you just they give you tons and tons of money to do whatever it is that you want to to make. So I'm going to call it Snowflake University. Apparently. I mean, I guess it is. I will give it this. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'll give it. Mark, what do you think? I mean, establishing at least did you were the characters at least likable? Um, uh, <laughs> Don't everybody okay. answer at once. <laughs> OK, uh, Helen, the, the main the main, I guess, the main scientist uh, 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 played by Shelley Sterling, the one that was uh, did the most designing, apparently. Um, <laughs> she she was she was interesting. The guy was the <laughs> hanger on, um, and the 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 second female character, I'm not sure. I mean, she was the coder. The, the, the computer coding person. So, I mean, they each had a role and I was interested to see how it was going to play out with all of them going into the field. I wasn't quite sure what type of, I thought it was like a graduate project, but uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> they never really established that. You're right. They, uh, now they, that I think about it, they never really established them as, doing this project, but you know, uh, they can pack if I ever move out of my house, they can pack up my things because they fit an entire larger robot into <laughs> the size of a suitcase that could be a carry on. He's bigger on the inside. So, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> well, no, the, the characters are one note. Uh, you know what roles they're in. But as far as the actual purpose of their project, you're like, why are you doing this? It's cool. You're throwing a lot of jargon around, like saving, you know, safe robot. Uh, it's supposed to be an emergency response robot. I'm like, this seems to be a pretty big project for just a college senior grad project. And for what's laid out to be basically, a, what are they, like two-thirds of a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, and I will give it this, the chick that uh, Shelly Sterling the main chick, like, mm -hmm. out of everybody in this film, I feel like she was the best actress. Like, she, she was. was she was actually really good yeah. in certain parts because she was likable when she needed to be. She was serious when she needed to be. I actually dug her. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't understand why I would dig her because we all know why they're out there. Angelique, what is Hornet? They, they never really say what other than he's an emergency response vehicle. Well, holy shit. A sentient ambulance? I have an emergency response back scratcher, but I mean, <laughs> I could tell you that they, is he a giant mechanized weapon of devastation like the box art? So you know about Metal Gear. I, my thing is, he's got like, you know, lasers and shit, but he's supposed to be a rescue robot. So why 
Does well, he have why? lasers and shit? Well, you... other, uh, other than that, the, the fact that they're cool. Well, that, I mean, they are. If, if I'm building a robot, I want it to have lasers. Lasers but... and shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as best I can tell, it's kind of like he's a rescue dog slash transport. He can catch things that fall. Uh, But he doesn't even transform, man. Did did anybody notice that? Well, he transforms from a cube into Hornet. Holy shit. When he comes out of the box, they do the Yeah, you're right. That's what I said. It's bigger on the inside. He could be a carry-on. He's a (laughs) carry-on accessory for that. <laughs> I'll give you that. He did pull a full-on Megatron or even like a sound wave because he was like really <laughs> tiny and then all of a sudden he's like mega huge. Such heroic nonsense. Well, not even that's what kind of still just but he's not mega huge. He's like he eight also, tall. He also doesn't cast a shadow. Yeah, you're correct. He doesn't cast a shadow. Paul. Mm-hmm. Compared to... <laughs> Compared to Transmorphers, so I know we might have you might have scrubbed this from your memories, and I wouldn't blame you. The Transmorphers less than meets the eye. No, I did not. Reach <laughs> the chagrin in your voice. It's like sound like Braddock sitting there in the POW camp. I can't get it out of my head. It's still going. <laughs> Reach back to your memories and think mm-hmm. of the Transmorphers, and now compare them with Horn. Did Hornet at least? look better like hornet hornet did look a lot better i did have a problem with it coming out of the box like you guys did because you can actually watch the metal growing as it came out (laughs) instead of transforming it actually started growing like mass wise it was bigger on the inside uh and uh, compared to the box you're, you're talking about how we should always compare it to the box the the guy in the in the box looks like the sleek ninja I think you mentioned. He looks really cool. This thing looks like the Happy Meal toy thing, you know, that you just fold over and it's this bulky leg looking ugly thing. Still better than the Transmorphers though. <laughs> Still well, yeah, better. You're correct. <laughs> it was blended into the it was composited a lot better than Transmorphers. Uh but they, they actually, I noticed on this, they actually play well with it. It's one of the uh, positives Asylum does with this film, considering it's a low-budget uh, Asylum picture, and you have one main character who's supposed to be CGI. They do a lot of POV from Hornet's view, which is a great way to get away with not having show a lot of Hornet on the screen. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's why was break the air drum. Why is the air drone heads up display more complicated than Hornets? <laughs> let's, let's, this is a good place to for a divergence because I, we can discuss this. I am a found footage junkie and a found footage nerd. I don't mind found footage. And just as you say, I kind of, you know, the way that they fudge over into the found footage thing. It's convenient, and some people might say, oh, yeah, we're taking the piss. I see what you're doing. Ha, ha, ha. I think it's kind of brilliant, in a sense, with the film, because, yeah, there is a seamless transition, even for an asylum flick, because they, by this point, by the time you actually see Hornet, you've been introduced to the fact that they have a drone, a UAV, but also the very first opening scene in the interrogation room, we're given two POV shots. One shot is from the camera that is on the desk, on the table, and then another shot is their 
static camera that they actually filmed the movie. Because my son was laughing. He's like, <laughs> look at him. They don't. Even, they even left the camera on the de- on the table, you know. But then I was like, yeah, but watch this because you'll see the the POV shift between those two. So whether they intended this or not, they subconsciously have already been shifting your point of view so that whenever they go to the drone shot, yes, it's like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. Ha <laughs> ha, clever. But it still works. There's a reason that, you know, doing this because it works. So they go to the POV shot. Now, (laughs) you're right, Paul. There is no reason (laughs) that the heads up display and everything, the telemetry data needs to be like that in a drone. (laughs) I would rather the giant robot that's supposed to rescue people have that. Yeah, it had facial recognition software. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) But we're going. (laughs) So we switched to found footage. Now. Justin, what was your take on that? I, I really don't have a problem with the found footage aspect. Um, I don't have a general gripe with found footage movies. As, and the that didn't rub me the wrong way. So, okay. uh, what about you, Paul? I mean, did you have a really big horrible gripe with it switching over to found footage? I mean, as as the plot unfolds, you know, we can revisit this but did you have like a like oh man the hell with this movie it was it was fine it was a good premise the only thing that i had to complain about it was the fact that when they went from the interrogation they they went to the okay now tell us what happened next story and what we got was the found footage which to me was like why would the movie bring us the found footage experience when right out of the story we, they're we're supposed to be i would rather them have that the the silly interrogation room i know it would be boring as hell but it would be more realistic to me that's the only time where the found footage just felt out of out of place and and sometimes the angles were wrong i know uh uh mark and i had this discussion earlier about how angles are wrong and so they had <laughs> they had people with gopros on their heads they yes. had one one on their shoulder Yes. And and then one, uh, for some reason, as they're running, you could see them doing like an upskirt shot, which where did that camera come from? Was it embedded in the guy's shoe? <laughs> they do that in Japan. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, <laughs> damn. Oh, there's Mark. Oh, so he perked his ears up with this one. Huh? <laughs> I, uh, as a. I've tried that. Now, this is how I can relate with it. I understand perfectly where you're coming from, Paul. I will say that I have done this exact same thing, only I did it in an audio drama. I was fortunate enough to actually do this one correctly. Now, I'm not saying that any of the production quality or anything like that was any better, but the way I did it, I know full well with it because I did the very same thing. You start with an interrogation, and then you transition into real time, and then you transition back to an interrogation. But the way that they did it was almost it just that stupid interrogation room was like a brick wall. It's like Johnny Depp in the movie Tusk. Let's just take a decent, okay, I guess, story idea. I'm along for the ride, and I'm just going to hit you with a brick wall, and we're going nowhere. And it's just transitioning from that back to the found footage and stuff. I understand the uh, it would kind of it would just it takes the pacing and throws it off. I guess you are correct. I have no problem with it. Angelique, I know you have no problem with it at all as far as found footage flicks go. But what if I throw zombies in it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why were they zombies and not just like, you know, what? There was no reason for them to be undead. Okay, I got one for you. Why not? 
<laughs> well, I mean, why ask why? Try bud dry. You know. <laughs> I mean, if we're throwing ideas at a movie and we need to make it cool. Why not throw some zombies in there? We have a mass displacement robot. They got on the inside. At this, no, seriously, like, sure. what did you, what did you think? Because we had a sequence, and it obviously the sequence didn't really matter. The scenes leading up to this, but Dudley Do Right, the Ranger shows up. Who oh. was, I mean, there was a who was the mayor? You remember the mayor guy in uh, Transmorphers Two last year, the one that kept explaining everything like four or five times. And yeah. we're saying, like, it's a modern miracle. It's, all right, that dude deserves an Oscar. That dude was King Lear compared to poor Dudley Do-Right, who the poor guy was just paid 25 bucks in a smoothie. And that's fine. I would do anything to be in an asylum flick, sort of, almost. Maybe not anything, but I'd, I'd go to help out in an asylum flick. But the ranger shows up, and he forces the kids to go away. And so they have to go away, and then they find the robot, whatever. And then suddenly, zombies. And so now we're right back to where I was just speaking with Angelique about. What did you think about the zombies? I mean, whether they, you know, no matter that, just what did you think about all of a sudden let's throw in zombies? Were you at least intrigued? Uh, well, of course, because I want to know <laughs> what the hell is going on. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you've just been chased off by a ranger and you've left your giant robot hiding behind a pine tree <laughs> that's a big pine tree a it was big. a very big it was a big pine tree and so now there's a weirdo standing in the road and you're gonna stop rule number one we've all seen this movie you never ever bother the weirdo holding a gas can that doesn't respond to your calls you just keep going just keep going yeah. True, true story. Me yeah. and my buddy Roger, like a decade ago, we were sitting there. We were out uh, checking a roadway that we were going to be paving and happened to look. And uh, Roger, he's a cool dude, big, huge black dude. Like, you wouldn't mess with this guy. Like, he was huge. And, you know, I'm just standing there. we on the side of the road, just sort of yucking it up, looking at the road or whatever. Happened to look up ahead. Roger's like, oh, shit, that's a snake. And it's funny to see that black man turn white because he didn't want nothing to do with a snake. It was funny <laughs> as hell. But anyway, yeah, sure enough, there's a snake up in the road. He's like, damn, that's a snake. Look up there. And it was probably 20 feet away from us. But we saw it, and it was just kind of ambling along the roadway. Well, dude, behind us comes a truck, like Mad Max style. And it's just putzing along. You know, minding its own business, a good old boy. Pulls up, and all of a sudden, right as it passes a snake, you see it lock the brake. <laughs> Stops the truck. Earl gets out of his truck, tips his hat up, looks over at us, tips the hat again. How y'all doing? Grabs his gas can, walks over, pours gas, strikes a match, lights the snake up, throws the can back in the truck, takes off. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Was it even a snake that needed killing? I, mean, I don't know if it did. Apparently it did, but I will tell you this. Roger stayed pale because he looked at me and was like, Daniel, let's continue looking at the road. I'm going to get my car. We're going to get the fuck out of here. I ain't coming back. <laughs> Y'all people are crazy. <laughs> Zach, get the diesel fuel. Yeah, it was a true story. Welcome to the Sanctuary of the Strange. At monstersmadnessandmagic.com, 
you shall find interviews, reviews, occult history, and retrospectives on relics of macabre media. Films, fiction, comics, music, monsters and madmen. All are explored at Monsters, Madness and Magic.com. Podcast available on the website and all major podcasting platforms. Up to that point is yeah you never mess with the dude with a gas can certainly not in this area and yeah and if you're ever down here don't be a snake in the middle of a dirt road so yeah we got crazy people so now what has started out as cloverfield and the not so usual suspects has then turned into like some kind of college getaway or whatever and then it turns into bumblebee only it's not because it don't su- don't sue me so it's hornet <laughs> With a mass displacement thing. Bigger on the inside. Bigger on the inside. Thing, who's the biggest, brightest, yellowest robot. In, I was thinking, probably the only robot in America at this point. But the biggest, brightest, <laughs> yellowest robot hiding behind a crepe myrtle. So that Dudley Do-Right won't see him. And now we've got zombies in the middle of the road. And I don't know if it's zombies or if it's more like George Romero, the crazies, zombies Ooh. or stuff. So, Mark... Help yes. us because I, everybody listening to this is going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Trust me, this movie is doing this. Now, I will give it this. Somebody's Z Nation is showing because <laughs> whenever it comes to doing tense zombie stuff, somebody knew what they were talking about. Like, they knew how to craft it. There were certain sequences in this film that were actually pretty darn cool. But Mark makes it. What happens? That Why the zombies? And where do we go from here? Well, it's zombies because it's uh, people being controlled by the aliens. You, We missed out on mentioning that in the beginning. Oh, my God. I completely had, forgot about that. See? We actually had <laughs> news. We actually had news blips about people in the area disappearing. and Or some people disappearing but coming back and not right. Uh, talking about uh, aliens. Um and such. <laughs> that's how unimportant they that's, made it seem. That I that's how unimportant. But it, it, it is a sequence that they have in there about a news report doing a report about people over the last few months disappearing. And now you have these people uh, appearing. And regardless of the reasoning behind the zombie scene, I actually like the zombie scene in here. And that's why I think this is like footage for one film that they intended but never completed. And that's why they have the interrogation scenes in there to try to piece it together because – uh, I like the zombie sequence setup. Yeah, you you don't mess with the guy in the middle of the road, the creepy guy with the gas can. But what's really cool about it is while he's there, he's got buddies coming up in the background that are actually there. But it's it's rather subtle, but they're there. And they come up and all of a sudden there's all these zombies everywhere. Um, you know, and it, it was enough to where I remembered the news footage and t- them talking about people getting abducted. So I'm like, okay. These must be controlled by the aliens. Um, you know, so for me, it wasn't out of uh, uh, out of nowhere. And I actually I liked it. What what I want to know is what crap ass barn 
someone put together that these people decide to take refuge in along with their big robot who apparently can't hurt humans until they tell it it can um because the doors on this barn folks he puts the the classic a wood barricade to keep the doors closed, but the guy in craft services must have ran out of nails because <laughs> one of the doors is obviously cracked open enough. And if these zombies were actual zombies, they would have busted in that place like it was nothing. The the not door. Only, yeah, not only that, the door opens out. Yeah. Doors across doors. <laughs> no. Doors that open out. Oh, God. All I thought of, you remember in the Big Lebowski when he's nailing the board to the floor and he props the chair up against it so that yeah. nobody will break in his house anymore. And as soon as he walks away, he pulls the door open. <laughs> the door opens out. Oh, God. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, the doors <laughs> open out. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> And that's just so now we're okay. Alien invaders because I completely overlooked that part. But again, it's like it's it, it's almost like a big nothing burger because you've got the alien invasion, but nothing happens, and you got kids on a college thing to with a robot, but nothing happens until Dudley Do Right shows up. You got the interrogation sequence, and you still don't quite know. And I actually follow completely with what you're saying, Mark. You're right because I kind of wish I could have seen the zombie flick because. Those are like some of the most intense sequences. And maybe like Zombie Robot Fighter Part 12 or something like that. Regardless, <laughs> so then they run to the barn, and the zombies are there with the barn, and then Hornet shows up to protect them. Now, what I find really funny, and this is going to be my little toot, because I did find this, I laughed, like, literally lulled i know nobody literally does anything but i did laugh out loud with this one they have spent the whole time you know talking to hornet taking him out for his little test run and he's an emergency response robot and he's helping people out and hornet don't do this and hornet chill out and hornet stop and this that yay hornet he's so great yay hornet did you see that how about whenever they do the test and they're all like they sound like all the they sound like a gaggle of hens when they're like all screaming and shouting, it's like girls gone wild with all the shouting because all three of them are just running up and down because they love it because Hornet works. Hornet does everything. Hornet's this and Hornet's that. few sequences later, we got zombies with the black blood that are, still, you know, like I said, somebody's Z Nation is showing. They're smashing the truck up. They run to the barn just to escape from them. So they hide in the little dollhouse barn area. Hornet shows up to save them. And what do they do? Hornet, what the hell is wrong with you? God, you're so stupid. Hornet, oh my God. Such an idiot. Way to go, Hornet. Thanks a lot. Oh my God. What were you thinking, Hornet? I mean, they sit there and castigate this poor robot in front of you. They're staring at us because this is now a found footage flick. <laughs> Paul, what'd you think? Did anybody else notice that or am I alone? In that? No, that, I, I, mean, have a, I have a big note that says, quit yelling at the robot. He didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're sitting there calling him dumbass. And the one guy, he's like, way to go, Hornet. Just, I'm making the sad bumblebee noises from the Transformers. Mm. It's like, okay, let's let's see how fast he goes to emergency response y'all's ass later on. You better be careful. But he does, I think. Paul, yeah. where do they go after the barn? 
Uh, uh, I think they went straight into the interrogation, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which time, a convenient interstitial that they <laughs> and goes straight back to the interrogation, which another funny sequence, whenever he's talking... I forgot the guy's name, but whenever he's talking with him, he's like, so tell me, why did you... And he's like, I ain't telling you nothing. And he's like, oh, I think you will. And he's like, I won't. Oh, I think you will. <laughs> I bet you I won't. Oh, I could be pretty persuasive. Yeah, I don't care. It's the most shitty dialogue. Ever. But then he's like, I bet you will. And we get like a one second clip of him getting waterboarded. waterboarded. And yes. immediately he's like, I don't know why we were out there. I was just, I don't know why I was up. I'll tell you anything, I swear. I, I got a really big kick off of that one, too. There was, there the was, electroshock. Yeah, they got a great comedic timing, but then they went to electroshock because he tried to nut up again, and, and uh, they got electroshock involved. Yeah, they had him in a bad because every time he stood up to like look menacing, all he looked like was that he was about to shit his drawers. <laughs> I make that same thing because I'm approaching middle age. So, I mean, I do the same pose like four or five times a day, people. It's, it, look, it happens. <laughs> yeah, this poor dude standing up looking menacing. He's like 83 pounds soaking wet. It's like, sit down, Junior. Please, come on. <laughs> so but later after, on. Please, please, Paul, continue. <laughs> I was just going to say, later on, Pendleton goes and he tells Luke that, oh, you, for a civilian, you have, like, resilience and you could be an agent. And I'm like, you just tortured this man, <laughs> like, severely, and, and now you're admiring him. And so maybe this is part of the interrogation technique, but... It's the sandwich technique. You you start with something good, you give them something bad, then you give them something good again so they don't feel like you treated them so badly. Oh, there you go. There you go. There are four lights. Four lights. I feel like this movie is missing a character. You could fix a lot of the problems if you replace the interrogator with the mysterious professor who's buying all these parts that we need to have on screen somewhere. Yes. I, I, I agree completely. Definitely. He's probably he, an alien. <laughs> well, no, what that's happened? what they kind of allude to. That We're getting to that. I'll be getting to that. Because they, they that's kind of actually, to, that's like a saving grace to me. That, but how do we get there? The, the, the problem with the interrogation scene that we get, especially, one, it's the brick wall, like you mentioned, Daniel. Uh, but also the fact that there, there is no purpose for the interrogator. We have the found footage. We're watching the found footage, and he's asking this guy. When I'm sitting here, just going the whole time, dude, look at the video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sitting here going, dude, dude, look at the video. Um, you know, and it seems like, and that's what's horrible about these interrogation scenes. It seems like he knows. He it's either written poorly or acted poorly or both, but he comes off not like this is kind of his gut feeling. These kids know each other. This guy comes off like he's there for freaking fun. He knows all the answers already. It's like it served no purpose whatsoever why he's talking to the guy, because every time the guy makes an answer, he's like, yeah, no, you're lying. It's actually this, you know, just like when he gets her in there, he's like, where'd you really get the parts? It's like. There's a fine line between the guy doing his interrogation because he thinks they're guilty and him knowing everything and him just screwing around with these people for 
whoever knows reasons. And unfortunately, it comes off like that. It's like, why are you even interrogating these people? <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. So there, please, please go. <laughs> I was going to say that there's there's two segments of, of the film and it's very, very minor, but it could it could make kind of a weird explanation but it would be a very crappy lazy way of doing it but there's one where luke kind of hints that well you know that he that the uh, government knows a little bit too much or he seems to know a lot uh but what really kicked it off for me was when the government guy basically says humans are weak oh yeah yeah and and i'm thinking are, are you one of the aliens because that Dang. could if that happened, if that was true, then that, then and then the fact that Luke was hinting that he could have been, if they would have went with that, I would have found that the interrogation seems a lot more but, uh, palatable. But God, they it's don't. Amazing, it's they amazing don't, what yeah. one little sentence could do. You're right. One little sentence would have turned this completely around. But they did. <laughs> but they did. And that's what I was waiting for with that sentence too. I'm glad you brought it up, Paul, because I'm like, oh shit, they're going there. They're being interrogated by aliens posing as humans. All right, now we're getting good with the interrogate. And then it was like, where'd that go? That that went away. That was a literal popcorn fart. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was. Yeah, that. Yeah, please. That excited go ahead. me too. Um, because I was like, whoa, wait a minute, they're not. In the FBI headquarters or whatever, they're on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, yeah. see, I never picked up on any of this. It wasn't until later on that I was willing to even just off of a couple of lines near the end of the film that I was willing to forgive it. So I didn't even pick. I didn't. I never even picked up on any of this at all. That, <laughs> and, but unfortunately, I'm not going to watch this again because I, I already <laughs> watched. I already watched it twice, so I'm not going to do this again. But I kind of wish I had thought of that earlier because maybe i would have enjoyed it there been a little bit less misery somebody get me to the next scene justin what happens after the barn scene and after the interrogation stuff where do we go from here well i think from the barn scene they reprogram uh hornet and now he's able to punch a little harder and uh do a little damage to people now that's right and by a little damage He's sitting here going full on EX third degree like Parappa the Rappa on these dudes. It's like <laughs> kick, punch, it's all in the mind. Kick, punch, it's all in the mind. If you wanna test me, I'll do you find the things I'll teach you. It's sure to beat you. But nevertheless, you'll get a lesson from teaching up. He's laying these dudes out full force, dude. Something they need to with the animation. Pull it back a little bit. I know what you're talking about. I just remember the sequence. It's like, all right, Hornet, get him. Kick. Kick. Wham. Punch. Punch. Wham. Falcon punch. And I mean, see, I feel like, like, yeah, if you're getting hit by this, if you're getting punched, and even though these are these uh, mind-controlled alien zombies, they're still in human bodies. If you get punched by this giant mechanical thing, you're probably going to explode. Or at least you (laughs) should. So it's going to look like that scene at uh, District 9. You remember when he pulls out like, the oh, alien yeah. weaponry and all of a sudden people just start popping like bubbles like that. Right. I imagine <laughs> that's what it would be like if Hornet actually punched you the way that they drew him. <laughs> Hor- to yeah, you're staying down. Hornet, yeah. grabs, Hornet grabs the one guy like a Rancor monster and I'm sitting here waiting for him to try to bite the guy's head off. I'm like, go for it. I mean, he just 
picks that dude up and I'm like, he's crushing him. Like, and then he throws him and the zombie comes back. I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Fighting sequences aside, what are they trying to do? We're still trying to get away, correct, from the zombies. Like, yeah, they're trying to flee the zombies, and I think they're trying to make it back down the hill some way uh, to their. Yeah. They for some reason they've abandoned the truck. They don't decide to go back to the truck where everyone could just you know get in and drive away. Yeah, I think they were. <laughs> the truck. I think they disabled. were chased away. Yeah, and, and, and then they get into it too. I think like uh, um, what's her name gets like broken ribs and Luke's arm is all busted up. Well, that's like, that's after that's after the 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 glowy uh, fifth uh, close encounter with yeah. the with the not Independence Day flying saucer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not like the re- ones on the cover, by the way. Not like no. The- no, oh, the, no, no, not no, at all. The ship is like this round thing that has popped up randomly throughout this film with the blue <laughs> light that it, it totally is not. But it is Independence Day and it reprograms Bumble uh, Hornet. And then uh, <laughs> Bumble yeah, Hornet. Hornet, Hornet, Hornet turns <laughs> out his, his friends and breaks uh, Chloe's ribs, who for a while you forget she's even there. Um, so now we're in movie C, uh, movie D. D. Now movie we are D. now in the fourth yeah. film, ladies and gentlemen. For whoever's keeping notes at home, we have now entered the fourth film, which is Escape from the Mad AI Robot trying to kill people, a la Hardware Terminator kind of thing. So please in continue. A mine. Mark. In a mine, we 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 go into a cave uh, network of mines or caves or okay. whatever. Try to run away from the AI who then suddenly does his uh, own form of transformation as uh, I think Paul alluded earlier, changing mass at will so Mm -hmm. he could fit in the tunnel until I will. um, I will say (laughs) as ludicrous and as absurd as the physics of this. This was still to me one of the coolest sequences, like the sequence itself. Mm hmm. Regardless of whatever was going on, I thought the sequence itself was really cool. Now, I have lived scenes like this, and if you have not played Outlast, I dare you to, with all the lights off during October. I double dare you to. I triple dare you to do it. But anyway, it reminded me of Outlast. Anyway, you've got something chasing you. And just to me, the scene of running through the mine, it's dark, it's closed, it's compact. And again, Whoever it was, the same person doing the zombies must have had something to do with this scene. It just they are really good at establishing tension because leading up to this point, we've had two scenes so far of like surprise and shock where a zombie just runs up and tackles dude boy like out of nowhere. (laughs) That was pretty cool. And so now we're in the mine running from the robot. And, you know, as long as you don't pay too much attention, it's kind of like uh, Beverly Hills Cop. When, you know, Axel Foley flashes his badge real fast. Like, Axel Foley, don't worry, I'm with the asylum. We're filming a movie. It's okay. <laughs> movie inspector. And he just keeps moving his badge around so he can't pay attention. If you watch the film like that, it's really cool. <laughs> if so they Mark, had gone faster or- than OJ speed, it would have been a lot cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're correct. Now, Angelique, if you're being chased by Hornet, not Bumblebee, but Hornet, mm. through the mine and stuff, what stopped the? What helped them? Like, what stopped it? Because I mean, he's hauling ass after going like, destroy, destroy. You have 15 seconds to comply. Destroy. <laughs> and is why did he not just grind them up 
into sushi. Didn't didn't Helen like Horned, Horned, you remember us, please, you're in there somewhere. Don't and ask me. Just, you, I well, I mean, I don't know what's going on no, right it, now. <laughs> it, it's not really established, but through exposition, not really visually, apparently at one point they enter a choke point in the cave to where Hornet could not get through and change his mass for the for the plot. They are on the inside! Ah, uh, that's what that was. But there was point. only one way in and one way out, so... You no, there was another way that out because because remember they were they felt the breeze because <laughs> oh yeah yeah they yeah. had to stop yeah, and yeah, Chloe's yeah. like leave me behind I'm just slowing you down he's like we don't leave anyone behind you know he's trying to all man up <laughs> you make and, him sound entirely too manly you know, you know <laughs> he's not like that at all it's like no I can feel the breeze and and you know uh, <laughs> he's more like that and so they find another exit. Uh, to this cavern, uh, which then leads them to just, well, they're tired and they decide to fall asleep on a slab of rock. <laughs> and then they decide, oh, we better turn the camera off to conserve battery. Not before Helen gives <laughs> a Blair Witch monologue. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's that the Blair was a Witch nice monologue. homage. I got to yeah. give him that. So after the Blair Witch monologue, Paul, mm-hmm. what happens next? Well, like I, uh, like uh, Angelique had stated, uh, they, they appeal to Hornet's better programming side. And it's it's basically the movie makers remembering that they're supposed to be doing Bumblebee mock, mock <laughs> movie. And so it's like, oh crap, we've got to turn the robot into a hero again. So let's 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 make him a good guy again for no apparent real reason because you know programming. Uh, and then maybe if we turn it off and turn it back on again, it'll work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, the zombies come and attack, and then they uh, Hornet goes and attacks the zombies, and he goes and attacks the spaceship too, and then we get the uh, the last interrogation scene again. So, all right, Justin, I'm glad this is really cool because this kind of hits up what I was saying was my favorite part, but I'm going to give you the honors because pretty certain i'm pretty sure you picked up on the really cool hook that was coming with this final interrogation scene so justin the final interrogation scene lay it out for us please god (laughs) well (laughs) thankfully it is the final interrogation scene and um this is the part where he's been beating these uh folks down the whole movie and finally they're gonna break and This is when Hornet himself pops into the room and lays that nice-ass one-liner on everybody. (laughs) Before you lay out that nice-ass one-liner, what was the hook? What was that really cool hook, like the parts and all? Oh, yeah, the the parts themselves, uh, similar to the uh, Undertaker. They're from Parts Unknown. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Whenever it says, so how did you build the robot and stuff, that one little line was almost enough to just like catapult this movie in it that may actually have done that for me to just propel this movie forward. The fact that the parts that they got and said, well, what parts did you use? How did you make them? And she said, well, I don't know. We just got them for the professor. And it just, he, the interrogator alludes and she does too, that the parts might not be human or earthly or mundane. So, in light of everything that we have witnessed, what did that one little line do for your opinion of this story, Angelique? Well, it kind of made it into a 
another Transmorphers prequel. Ouch. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in a good way. In a good way. You know, like, oh, wait a minute. Are is this part of that universe? Are these parts that? Oh wow, dude, that's awesome. Sorry to mind blown. That's awesome. Yeah. So were these parts from a Transmorpher that? crashed or broke or you know discovered in space or something like that and the government's trying to figure them out and then you know that's going to lead into the second transmorphers movie which is actually the prequel to transmorphers holy shit they're retconning their entire transmorphers franchise we didn't even know and you freaking called it holy <laughs> shit I didn't, dude that's awesome mark in light of what Angelique has just said, and then that one little line. I mean, what what did that do, that little line in the interrogation room? Was that enough to kind of redeem the story for you, or at least make you not want to carve your eyeball out with a spoon? <laughs> I liked where they were going, but like a lot of things with the interrogation scene, they drop these nuggets but never do anything with them. But I do like Angelique, and that was actually a thought that ran across my mind. Something similar, not exactly like that. I love how she put it in there, but I'm like... Okay, are they playing just like the movie they're mock busting in that Bumblebee is kind of a soft retcon of the Bay Morphers? This is kind of a soft retcon of the Transmorphers. The 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 thing that got me with that line is one, I'm like, I want to see, you know, that movie. Okay. And two, Luke, <laughs> the 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 guy who says, I just build things, that line. <laughs> makes him even dumber, makes him the <laughs> stupidest wrench monkey, as he puts it, in the history of wrench monkeys. Because if, by God, he's so good at putting parts together, he would have fucking noticed that those parts were not we're normal. We're not human! <laughs> we're, not, we're not of this earth. There is no way he's tinkering and built this robot and went, oh, they must have got these down at the 7 you know, at freaking Automart or whatnot. You oh, know? Not to mention they talk about 3D printing some of it. Yeah, they talk about 3D printing some of it, but some of the parts, did not, they came for the professor, but they may not be of this earth. So, oh, you Don't didn't you notice the did serial it. number the serial number in Enochian script right. that had ancient Egyptian <laughs> hieroglyphs, but it had like a hidden part to the stellar map. We got this from know, the Jawas, you know. From the Stonehenge gift shop that you found buried under a rock next to the third triptych. <laughs> it didn't happen to cross your mind. I understand completely. Yeah. All I'm seeing is him. He's holding a wrench and like a plumbus in his other hand. It's like, well, these must have come from the same store. Hell, let's we'll just put them out 3D print this one out. <laughs> the power source, too, of how they planned it. It's like no power source on Earth that he didn't think to question where they may have gotten it from because he sure as hell didn't build the power source. No, you he know. just builds things, man. Yeah, he, he just plugged it in. I'm a good engineer and shit, yo. Didn't he say that at one time in the film? Or That's I don't pretty know much it. That exact yeah. word. He had the posture at time. And I'm not just... <laughs> but that completely, but he had this pose like he was in Mari Povich at times. Like he, would just, he looked at the zombies at one scene after they had just kicked their ass. He just holds his arms out wide and cocks his head. He's like, what then? It's like... They just ate about ate your face. That what do you think? What then? It's like y'all don't know me, Mari. You don't know me. 
And then after Bumble, not Bumblebee, Hornet is chasing him in the mine and gets stuck. He, like, kicks the sand at him. And he does the same thing. He spreads his arms out. It's like, what then? Huh? So, yeah, that's all I can imagine. He's like, dude, go and 3D print these parts. Okay. And he grabs the plumbus and then the wrench and then the part with the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs on it. It's like, what then, huh? I print. I'm an engineer and shit, yo. Paul. <laughs> That one line, did, Paul, did that at least <laughs> help it? Like, did the film get a second life at least for you? Or did it help alleviate some of the film? Or did it help at least tie some things together? Or did it make it seminally interesting? I, I will never use the word semen in, uh, with you ever again. Did it at least partially make the film a little more enjoyable? Or did it open the story up for you a little better? So the, the whole revelation about the parts... Uh, that was more of a, a, a better uh, mechanism for me to believe in the entire larger story because it made me think more of the, okay, well, Pen if Pendleton is an alien, maybe the reason why they're trying to find uh, out where they got the parts was because that maybe they the an alien crash landed, they took the bodies, and what the, uh, the elder aliens are trying to do is find their kinfolk and we being humans built a robot out of their technology and decided to screw up their rescue mission. And that's what they're trying to do. Uh, as for the line itself, there are two great lines in this film, one spoken by Luke. And that was about the cherry on, on the Sunday. Uh, I'll paraphrase that. It was, uh, he said it in a much harsher way. A and then it was the, uh, uh, saving you guys. Uh, those two lines, were the only two that I actually laughed seriously for the comedy and not for the execution of the film. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't ask you your synopsis at the beginning because you just made this sound like the most badass movie. I was like, thinking the same thing. If you had told me there was a movie like this and then like not even show me the box art, but if you had told me that there was a film like this, Paul, I would have driven to your house to watch this flick. Like, that's my kind of jam. And I don't know. The Asylum, I think, might owe you some, not damages, um, retaining, or they ought to pay you something for that. Because, like, seriously, that's not, they need to pull a quote or two from that. <laughs> but the problem with Asylum is they just don't do those things. No, that's why I, mean, I have that, that relationship with them. Look, man, this is, like from what y'all have all said has actually made the story for is it's only strengthened my resolve and that this is not their best and not my favorite, but it is one of asylum's better films pushing close to best. And I say that just overall execution. It didn't know what it wanted to be, but I mean, which again, I'm a sucker for that. I know I say it all the time. It's all the little things that a sucker for opening and the loose ends. <laughs> I say it all the time. But the little things like that, even if it is just head cannon, or just you know, you sit there and write some fan fiction stuff about it. But man, you have just taken what was a shit Bumblebee ripoff, and just by at, paying attention to one little sentence that he says in an interrogation about half an hour into the film. And then paying attention to the sentences that they're speaking about the parts, then you start to think about, well, maybe they're looking for their, you know, technology because their ship crash landed. 
you have just taken this film and turned it into a major Lovecraftian like sci-fi horror. And I'm big into that. <laughs> I'm really big into that. Because then it's like, where did Hornet's AI come from then? Was it part of the alien or was it something else? Or was it something completely new since it was programmed by the blonde chick? <laughs> See, she and I thought I, I was thinking something along the lines of what Paul was saying, but I was thinking for a little while with the way that dialogue was, especially at the end, the humans line and then about the parts was that this wasn't them looking for their own. This was them looking for tech that they've been searching out and haven't been able to find. And it crashed on Earth and they were using it. So these guys weren't the ones that created this alien tech. They're aliens themselves, but they want this alien tech. And that's why technology, huh? Forerunner technology from Halo. Oh, I was going to say, and there it is. There's the Halo tag. There we go. Hashtag Halo. That's right. Again, Lovecraftian Lovecraftian horror, man. I mean, even even Robotech. That was the premise of Robotech. That was the whole Mm -hmm. Macross saga was the spaceship, the the SDF-1. I think it was the SDF. But, I mean, that was the thing with Robotech. And then the Centriti are coming to Earth who were, in fact, doing what the Covenant was doing. They were glassing planets and stuff. Yeah, see, you can just – just from adding two – listen, kids, if you're writing a story or making a film, you can add two sentences to your story, and you will just completely open up in a whole new world. Because now we have a film with the giant autonomous AI robot built from hell wave technology. We don't know if it came from hell or, and or another planet. Maybe it did, but who knows? We don't know what hybrid mind is controlling it, but now we've got zombies and aliens and Dudley Do-Right and Matthew Modine's special needs second cousin Earl who is <laughs> handling the interrogations. I mean, give me some final thoughts, Angelique. I, I, it's like you said, this is by far not the worst asylum film I've ever seen, nor is it the best. Box art. Did it, de- box. Did it deliver what the box art showed you? <sighs> really, there were no buildings destroyed, and there wasn't like some cataclysmic battle. So I'm going to say almost. Well, we got an almost. They didn't outright doo-doo on it. That's cool. Almost. Yeah. I mean, was it enjoyable? Do you yeah, feel I had like- a- Oh, you, you enjoy Okay. So that's cool. That's cool. All right. So it's not really a two for two, more of a one and a half for two. But so, yeah, after saying that, your final thoughts. I mean, you, you enjoyed it. And it was, I mean. Yeah. I, I've seen much worse. And I've <laughs> seen much better. You know, this one. Uh, it actually, for me, warrants a second watch just to see if there's, you know, some things that I didn't catch on the first viewing that would maybe make it better. I mean, so I'd watch this one again. That's a bit strong, but all right, that's cool. I mean, hey, it's your life, your time. I, mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I watched it twice, so I mean, I can stand in judgment of this. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't, now that so. <laughs> now that you know, like after having this conversation. Yeah, watch it again. Because, like I said, if you start forming a narrative in your head, you might actually really enjoy this thing. As for enjoying it, Mark the Movie Man, the box art. Did this film deliver what that box art showed us? Um, there's in a robot. Mind, there's a yellow robot in it. Um, 
and there's spaceships, not those spaceships. So, I mean, it delivered part of what was on the cover, you know, and like I said, the tag tag line, the, the stinger line they put on there, that actually did happen as well, which is an accomplishment for asylum you 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 know as well i've watched many asylum film uh voluntarily uh (laughs) just because and i will agree while it's not if you look at the mass spectrum of movies no it's it's not a great film it's not the worst i've seen but in the category of asylum films i actually have to side with daniel as far as how a film is put together this actually has a fairly cohesive narrative. While we picked on the inter, you know, the interview sections and that, at least the story stays consistent. Yeah, they keep throwing more stuff in there, but overall, the the, the spine of this film stays consistent. And uh, I'm just going to warn people now: enjoy this. Enjoy <laughs> that you have. God, I just spiked my mic on that one. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. You have a story that has a spine to it that stays somewhat consistent, at least in its narrative. Yeah, it's maybe not edited together the best, and you have kind of two or three different ideas combined, but it's still a story. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end in here, and motivation by most of the people, as one note as they are, is still established in here. Now, I want to see some of the other ideas they never expound upon, but that's classic asylum. You'll get a bit and you never see it again. You're like, I want some more of that. But I got to admit, yes, as far as asylum goes, as far as it being a movie, an actual cohesive movie, this is on uh, the higher end of the spectrum of asylum fills. Now, that bar is in the mud, so it's not a very high bar. But it's still, it is one that I I would actually see myself maybe down the road watching again, just to catch after this discussion by everybody involved, catching some more of those things. But it is watchable and it's coherent, which, again, enjoy this. <laughs> Paul, final mm-hmm. thoughts, man. Did the box art, did the movie deliver what was on the box art? No. <laughs> and, and there we have, all right, thanks for showing up, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. The, no, <laughs> no, I mean, I completely agree. And <laughs> the finality of that statement, Yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes right there. So was the film at least enjoyable for you? Yes, it, it, this is not on my list of films to avoid. You can watch this film and with the right mindset, you will probably enjoy watching this film. This is probably one of those films that you would have fun watching with a bunch of friends and just kind of picking it apart. Because I think that's why a lot of people watch Asylum films. Um, so in that particular one, it's not horrible. And it, it as, as much as it has some problems, it's not enough problems to make you say, I don't, you shouldn't watch this film. So... Yes, it is on the list of you can watch this film. Will you think it's the best uh, movie this summer? Very much no. That gum, but I mean, that's like glowing praise coming from you, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is wow. Justin. Yes, sir. 
final thoughts, man. Did the movie deliver what was on that box art? I said at the beginning I didn't really have a problem with the movie. But in terms of the box art, no. Um, it has a nice robot, and as stated, it does have kind of the tagline kind of hits on the nail a little bit, but there's enough interesting nuggets in the movie to pull from as everyone's laid out that if you're a little imaginative, you'll probably enjoy the movie. And if I would like to see a sequel with some of those ideas, but yeah, it probably won't happen, but I'd watch it again. Transmorphers too. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) As everyone has so eloquently stated, but now it's my turn. Did it, Man, that box art, that is the biggest mistake. All right, Kitty's playing at home. I want y'all to perform a little exercise for me and and everybody here at the table if y'all want to do that as well. So if you've got IMDb or whatever pulled up so you can see the Hornet box art and you're looking at the, I think it's called key art if you're in the industry or whatnot, we see the importance of having good eye-catching box art, which the Asylum is incredibly good at. Now I want you to look at Hornet on the cover of this DVD. I want you to think about what Hornet looked like in the film. Go to Google Images, and I want you to type Metal Space Gear. And I want you to scroll down to the third row, and hopefully the algorithm rhythms aren't totally screwed up, but you're going to see a picture of a big-ass bipedal mechanized robot with a dual rail cannon on one arm, a big freaking Soliton radar dish on where his other arm is, and he's looking down at a little dude. Okay, that's just one picture, because you can see another picture of Metal Gear, and this is Rex, by the way, staring down at a giant mech, and that, or at a, not a giant mech, but a smaller mech. Now, you see, this is the importance of delivering kaiju mechanized warfare action. The box art for Hornet tells me that this is going to be Metal Gear the movie with a not-so-stellar awesome name. It's just Hornet. But you know what? He looks like a mechanized warfare bumblebee I'm going to give it. No, I'm actually kind of pissed off. The artwork on this did totally did not deliver on this, and this is what... I mean, I've been cheated! This has happened to me numerous times, and yet I still fall for it every single time. So no, the artwork did not deliver. There were no exploding buildings. Nothing was burning except for my eyes having to keep them open watching this thing, especially in the interrogation sequences. Did I enjoy it? Hell yeah. I think it was one of us. <laughs> I mean, it was one of Asylum's better films. I really enjoyed it. The box art. No, you cannot pay attention to that. But the movie itself is I really wish my second viewing had been after hearing Paul's final thoughts on the film and then hearing Angelique's little stuff. She was talking about the tidbits during the interrogation and then Mark, the movie man throwing stuff in and then Justin with his little two cents about the other part. And then the little one line about maybe it was the aliens that were doing the interrogations. I wish I had heard all of this before my second time of viewing this, because I'm never going to watch this film again. I, I I can't say that. Never say never. I saw American Tale in the theater when I was a kid, and I still remember that song. You never say never. So, never say never. Say never say never. Whatever you do, never say never, my friend. If you believe that your dreams will come true, they'll come true in the end. However, (laughs) I will go to great lengths 
to never have to watch this again. What's on your mind, Mark? I was just going to say, I think the uh, comparison between the box art and what you actually get in Hornet is like asking your mom for... (laughs) We have a mechanized war mech at home. (laughs) Asking your mom for the G1 Transformer, and instead you get the little people version of GoBots. I was going to say, instead you get a GoBot. You get a GoBot. You want a Transformer G1, but she bought you a GoBot. That is the Hornet on the cover versus the Hornet that you get in the movie. That's and not the even a cool one. Them. You're right. Not you even the get, cool. You don't no, get you like can see his face. No. Or anything. You get Scooter. You get Scooter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, that's the difference between the cover and what you get in the movie is Transformer versus GoBot. You know, it transforms into a jet. You can see the face. You're like, you're a robot. You're not even hiding it. What the hell? Um, you know, <laughs> that's what you get here. Christmas is, morning disappointment. That's I'm right. Like, it is Christmas morning disappointment. I want to see and see. I'm like what Angelique said last year about the Terminators. I want to see this movie. Yeah. Where the artwork that they show for Hornet. This is the film I want to see. But And I mean, the other Hornet, I mean, it was cool, but man, just some different artwork, man. And, and it's, I understand why. I mean, because obviously it attracted my attention that and the fact that, did you know, how, do you people listening back there and at home, do y'all understand how hard, it, like how few Kaiju movies there actually are. Now, I mean, there's Mega Shark and Mega Conglomatoids and stuff like that. But as far as actual big monster kaiju, there really aren't that many. So I didn't I didn't have much of a pool to grab from. And since this was relevant, I figured I'd go ahead and attack. But Dan, I, I know this is a podcast, but uh, if you open the chat, I just posted a picture of the Japanese version of Hornet. The DVD cover. From Asylum. See, this is making me evil. I mean, dude, that looks like Jinro. Ladies dude. and gentlemen, if you Google the Japanese version for Hornet, you've got Robotech meets Wolf Brigade. I swear to God, that is the coolest thing. And now this makes me even more mad. I want the anime now, dude. This ain't even fair. And this is only the first movie. <laughs> but I mean, that's a badass. That's what makes robot. me nervous. <laughs> I've seen the next two, so I'm. I was fixing to say, have a, other than Mark the Movie Man, has anybody else seen Atlantic Rim Job or Atlantic Rim Job Two? I've seen part of the first one. No, these are both fresh oh, for me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> sweetheart, buckle up! <laughs> oh God, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Oh, yeah. So real quick. And like I said before, at episode zero, I'm not really going to take time to warm up to tell who we are or whatnot. We got our final thoughts. But if you have a a specific website, anybody you would want people to go to to visit Angelique, where would you tell them to go? Uh, just go to Facebook and search for Paranormal Schlockdown. That's the one. That's a it's a wonderful website about Zach Bagans trying to find different ways to take out Aaron Goodwin. It's like <laughs> Coyote with ghosts. Mark the Movie Man, where would you send people to? Specialmarkproductions.com for all your Movie Man needs. I love it, as brilliantly stated in the title. 
Paul Salzer, Mr. Bowtie critic himself, who actually maintained his composure, even with all of us goading him along and gave quite a profound synopsis. I still say you should be compensated from the asylum. Where would people find you? Uh, just go to Facebook and check out Film Jerks. That's it. You'll find actually you'll find all of us around there in that circle every now and then. Justin, if people wanted to find you, where could they read your stuff? Because like the Lovecraftian element in Hornet is nothing compared to what you've been writing. MonstersMadnessAndMagic.com. I have a few shorts coming out in uh, Forgotten Legends magazine coming up soon, but that's about it, fiction-wise. Boom. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. And if y'all wanted to find me, which you did <laughs> after this episode, probably not. But it's one of those. I mean, hey, if you ignore me, I'm just going to keep going. And if you tell me you don't like it, I'm going to go even harder. So, anyway. <laughs> I'm a, if you go to Film Jerks, you'll find me. And if you're listening to this, you already know who I am. I'm the Daniel. This has been the bottom rack. <laughs> and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs> if, oh, next time, Atlantic Rim. Atlantic, Atlantic Rim. Next time on the bottom rack. Number two. How appropriate. But the fact that you're here kind of tells me so. You either want to fight. <laughs> Or you want to talk about it? They don't even react. They're like, my computer was lagging. No, No, that was the. (laughs) I just think of the worst movies I've seen on the Sci-Fi Network, and if it beats that, I'm impressed. So I didn't think it was that bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, at this point, dude, that's a pretty good outlook to have showing a location of where they're not at. Well, you know, <laughs> well, you know these things cost same, money. It's the same one from Transmorphers. <laughs> now, no, see, thank you, Angelique. That, maybe I should have done that comparison. Paul, if we compared this to Transmorphers, is there at least an improvement? No. <laughs>overall the, the the spine of this film stays consistent and uh, i'm just going to warn people now enjoy this out of here